from Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Welcome everyone, I'm your host Chris Pace, joined once again by ex-donut dweller Paul Bentham. Hello! Threat research cookie Kev Breen. Hello! And finally Immersive Lab's very own chief cyber sausage, Max Vetter. Hello! So these podcasts try to focus on the human side of cybersecurity with a bit of tech thrown in, social engineering, hacker motivation, cyber crisis scenarios, that kind of thing. Um, they essentially come in two flavours, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. And this episode is one of those. Um, and we're going to begin by uh, talking about a few... Um, oh, there was a bit of debate at the beginning about whether they're... Are they rats or are they just malware or who knows? And everyone's got an opinion. But essentially, um, malware doing cool new stuff um, this week that we've seen out there. Um, and the first one I wanted to talk about briefly was uh, Astaroth. Um, you'll also notice um, that I feel like we're just going to get to a point where we stop even noticing the names. We're just going to say we're just going to say the random name and we're going to right. go. Oh, a yeah. good one. It's a great name. Okay. I like <laughs> that a good name. Yeah, like we that. should give. We, it's one of the better I know ones. We, we should do. start rating we them. Should yeah. them. Yes. 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 We should do yeah. this every week. Okay. So Astaroth and what name are we? What are we going to give that name out of ten, guys? Nine, nine for me. 8. Wow, that's 8. a strong. Eight point five. I'm gonna go with a seven. Ooh, wow, no. Kev doesn't like it. That's like fine. It. Fair enough. Come up with a better one. Yeah, but I like it. Because <laughs> it, it feels very <laughs> Thor. It feels like Rangarok. Yeah, well, actually, it turns out that it's right because I obviously, whenever you see a malware name, the first thing you have to do is Google it to see where the name come from, um, and usually it is like a manga character. Um, or oh. some kind of mythical creature. And in this case, it's actually like a Near Eastern god. And the irony is that we're talking about two bits of malware, and they're both Near Eastern gods by by complete chance. So there you go. Uh, so Astaroth uh, is a Mesopotamian god, I think. I'm going to change my score because I've just Googled it. Uh, is the great Duke of Hell in the first hierarchy with Beelzebub and Lucifer? So yeah. uh, eight. <laughs> it's like his soul it's not... was on the line when kev's soul is on the line you get one more point <laughs> yes plus one, <laughs> plus um, one. <laughs> so astaroth is not uh a new bit of uh malware and in fact over the last year it's evolved uh into like one they, they're calling it like one of the stealthiest threats that there is um i think cofence have done a bit of research on this and also cisco talis as well um but it's actually um one of the things that's interesting about it is the effort that is put into evading um, detection and analysis um, is the is the first thing. So a lot of effort seems to go into like actually stopping it being either detected or stopping it being uh, analysed. And I'm sure Kev can talk in quite a lot of detail about what some of those things are uh, more specifically. But the thing that took my eye um, was the fact that it uh, uses uh, connections to YouTube video i don't know what's in the youtube videos but connections to youtube the descriptions in youtube videos to get the command and control server information to give back to the malware so that it can talk to whoever's running it which i just think is brilliant um first of all kev what is actually in those descriptions that it's like what's it getting from there it's encoded data um and it's command and control so it's like what command do you want me to run? Like what's the next thing you want me to do? There's, it's all that kind of stuff, and it's, uh, it's just encoded in descriptions. Uh, and this isn't the first time we've seen this kind of technique. Um, 
So the reason attackers will use this uh, is to avoid like whitelists and blocklists. Um, like I'm nasty malware.tk is probably going to get blocked by a lot of firewalls. Um, YouTube probably not going to get blocked. So it's a it's a way of bypassing. It's filter evasions and that kind of nature. Um, and we've actually seen APT groups use this. Um, APT, and I'm going to look up at my board, APT17 uh, back in like 2015 uh, used Microsoft TechNet blog uh, to a similar effect. Um, that feels like, that just feels like a joke. <laughs> that just feels like they were taking it Mickey a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they did the same thing. So in TechNet blogs, uh, in posts, they would leave comments and inside those comments were encoded um, command and control. <laughs> Clearly, all TechNet posts have been uh, taken off all firewall rules because the techies <laughs> need to get to Microsoft TechNet block uh, <laughs> to know, I mean, yeah, to know how to turn it off and turn yeah, it back on again. Yeah, exactly. We've seen Twitter used to the same effect. We've seen Discord used to the same effect. Uh, yes, I've seen that. The Twitter, the Twitter statuses. I've uh, seen we've that. seen MSN Messenger back in the day. Like this is this is nothing new. Um, it's not been used in a while. Like it's. it's I haven't seen it used actively uh, recently, but yeah, it's it's um it's fun. And what? some of the other things that it does is it also is um, back to that, and because I, I thought you'd have something to add here. Um, but this whole um, idea of the what you know the kind of anti-analysis um, features features that it has, um, some of which seem to be like looking to see whether it's being opened by a virtual machine or in a sandbox and stuff like that. Yeah, and and again, like these themselves are nothing new. I think it's just the the heavy loading of all of these um a lot of malware like dark comet and, and other things like commodity malware they have these same options and we saw these trending really really strongly a couple of years ago um well maybe even a bit longer than that uh where it was if i'm running in a virtual machine like detect and like stop that happening uh, and then we saw the attackers drifting away from this because of more people going cloud native you actually want your malware to be able to run in the cloud um, because that's where people run their infrastructure these days. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of it in there, uh, and it takes a lot of things. And a lot of that is specific to... Um, so VirusTotal is a really big uh, place for people to upload malware and get their analysis, but you can fingerprint um, their sandboxes fairly easily, uh, looking for names, and that's some of the techniques that the attackers are doing here. So, so Kurt, how, how good are these anti-analysis and anti-sandbox techniques? Can you... like? how well do they stop you uh doing reverse engineering on it it doesn't stop you um what it does is as an, an as an analyst it slows me down um so when i start this process i have to look I'll, I'll you'll see them and then you have to reconfigure machine or you have to patch or you have to um put some other technique in place so like the anti-debugging stuff there's most debuggers come with an anti-anti-debugger um so you just have to start enabling these uh, and it just it takes time. Seems like um, a lot of effort to go to um, to stop something that they know is going to happen eventually anyway. Yeah, and there's other ways around it as well. So um, one of the things we used to do, um, if we needed a piece of malware analyzing really really quickly, um, we used we used to use Cuckoo Sandbox, and we had a physical device um, with. Um, a hard drive that was replaceable we just rebuild it we'd run the malware on there so it would bypass all these checks so we could get stuff out of it really quickly for to the dynamic analysis uh, and then just go on to the slower static stuff later so uh, it's slows you down but 
uh, all these techniques could be bypassed for the analysis for the analyst. Is this uh, Astroff thing also using Lolbin? Uh, it does, um, and that's part of the their infect their infection process takes off like six or seven different mitre techniques just on like the delivery and infection phase alone. Uh, there's three or four stages to the loader, including some Lolbin stuff. I mean, we, we need my button. We do need my button. I mean, it's early in the episode, but we do need my button. Thank you, Kev. And now, a word from our sponsors. Because Astaroff's a, a malware that we've tracked for, for some time now, and we have content in our platform related to how the Astaroff malware is using the lolbins, because I think Astaroff not particularly... Well, in, it's interesting as per this conversation, but the lolbin stuff is more... Uh, uh, pervasive throughout multiple different actors and multiple different campaigns and you get hands-on in the platform if you're if you're a subscriber uh you can yeah so we've got stuff on like lnk file analysis on the use of bits admin dll injection um analyzing javascript we cover off um almost all of those stages uh, at some point in some of our labs. Another thing that's kind of interesting uh, about it, more from the more from the point of view of attribution, um, it, it only seems to target uh, Brazilian, uh, like, infrastructure in Brazil, or uh, machines in Brazil. Um, I don't think we really know why that... I mean, there are obviously a lot of, like, Brazilian banking Trojans, Brazilian info-stealing Trojans, like, they're, they are a thing. Um, that's probably a thing that we could discuss, like, why are they a thing? I've no clue. Um, I think that's but they really are mean. Well, it's true, but it's true, though, that they have a very specific sort of reputation, don't they? I know, but Brazil's a great country. I love Brazil. <laughs> Brazil <laughs> Brazilian barbecue. <laughs> Rio, amazing place, honestly. <laughs> uh, it's not fair to target Brazil. They're... So, I... <laughs> Going to the, I don't the think that's fair. Well, I'm not targeting Brazil. Astaroth yeah. is targeting Brazil. Well, we, we then they are being a nation. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the root of the question. So we see targeted stuff used in two different ways. So this one's using a language detection, looking for Portuguese as your set language. Uh, we see that both in targeting and target prevention. Um, so we see a lot of um, stuff coming out of Russia where it deliberately doesn't target other Russian languages. Yeah. Um, so it's not just in the targeting, it's also in the don't target these devices as well. And I'm pretty sure I read somewhere way back that like Brazil's something like second in terms of online financial um, crime. And I think some of that is to do with, like, with there's some weird stuff around population density I'm guessing also it's to do with the fact that probably it's easier to get away with cybercrime maybe in Brazil itself. So these are probably Brazilian threat actors targeting other Brazilians. Yeah, if you like the FBI, NSA, like they're well known for taking down infrastructure, especially if they're targeting Americans. So by confining yourself to like a country that don't have great ties with America, um, that don't have such strong like and uh, cybersecurity laws, then you're going to draw less attention, or you're less likely to have your operation shut down. It's another possibility. And this is back to that thing: the um, the Russians don't, uh, in lots of examples, um, Russia Russian cyber criminal groups do not uh, like they deliberately exclude Russia from their you know from their yeah. targets. That's some things that the malware actually does is to exclude um, exclude Russia. Yeah, uh, that, like we mentioned before, the language checks, they're not just used to target, they're used to avoid targeting yourself as well. Yeah, there was, I think there was a good story from uh, original, the Darknet, before it was the Darknet, which was the Russians 
had a whole uh, criminal underworld and they all agreed not to attack Russian brother, M- Russian brother, uh, Russia, mother Russia. <laughs> I said that a few times. Uh, mother Russia. Um, because they, they were pretty much told explicitly by the authorities, if you attack the West, it's all right. If you attack us, we're coming after you. Uh, yeah. So it's quite interesting, you know, how that happens in Russia as well. All right, so that is uh, Astaroth. Um, and now we're going to move on to our next uh, uh, Near Eastern uh, god, Anubis. Um, Anubis. And I think, uh, I think Max, you've been, you've been looking at Anubis. And yeah, so, what's that all about? So what, sorry, what, point of order. We need to score yeah, it what, first. Well, what, Come on. Wait, let me, oh, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll score it. Anubis. Let me tell you. So Anubis, this might help, Kev. Anubis is the god of mummification and the afterlife. As well as the page, as, as well as the patron god of lost souls and the helpless. Oh, you know what? Oh, I, I feel almost no. sorry for Anubis. Well, hang on. <laughs> Malware in ten years' time is going to be dreadful. I mean, all the cool names are going to have been used up, and then in ten years' time they're going they'll to be just like, have to put one on the end, like the, like the rest of us trying to sign. Yeah, trying to sign up for a website. <laughs> Anubis twenty nine. Uh, this is getting a six from me. Uh, it's oh, poor. Like it's going to be a five. It's bad. It's no Astaroth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Yeah, Anubis is. It's such a well-known name. It's like it's got a brand of its own. So yeah, like, I'm coming in enough. Whoa! I'll go, I'll go, I'll, Whoa! I'll go, I will go that it's low. I'll, I'll go five point seven. You liked it first. Okay, You've you. let the crowd bring you down, Max. You were yeah, a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's quite cool, Trojan. We're going to so have to do. It's been around since fist, fist to five next time. Sorry, Max, to interrupt. We're going to have to do like hand voting on the uh, rather than all this kind of peer pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we we all go at the same time. Exactly. But yeah, the. Um, yeah, Anubis has been around since uh, 2017. It's kind of a sophisticated bit of uh, banking trojan as well as other malware that affects um, Android apps. And yeah, they, there's been a variety of campaigns. The the latest update, which is pretty cool, um, it adds um, basically it checks whether you're looking at your phone. And if you're not, if you are looking at your phone, it stops working. Uh, so you won't even tell that the that malware is, is so running. Cool. Oh, hello. Which is pre- pretty cool. Oh. Um, <laughs> They also, it's quite a nice addition. Yeah, they also apparently installed uh, Yandex Maps. I don't, I don't, I know, I know Yandex is really well known in Russia, so maybe that's. An, no, I tell you what, that is. I bet that's a paper. I bet that's a paper download thing. I bet they're. I bet it's pointing the phone to a paid for link, and they're getting paid per click for every phone they install that on. That's the only reason for them to do that, or to track well, location, they, I suppose. Well, yeah, they they, they think they're using it's a track, track location. location. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is pretty scary, I suppose. Uh, not that not that um, malware on your own device isn't scary anyway. Um, but yeah, it's 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 done a variety of. It's kind of got better and better through the years. Um, state stealing, I mean, stealing a variety of things like key. Why is this in the press? Why is this that, in stuff. the press this week, Max? Because of that new addition to of the. Be- because it can see when I'm looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so what well, and is it just Android? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, well, iPhone and they're a lot less, um, a lot Vulnerable. less attacked, aren't they? So if I go to the Play Store, yeah. can I download Anubis or am I going to download some dodgy app? <laughs> you could it sounds cool. I like right, it. Right app. <laughs> yeah, we should, so we should download it and analyze I'm it. it. I'm on it. There's a, there's, there's a lot to unpick there. So um, whilst it's true that on occasion, and more than one occasion, like uh, significant amounts of times, like malware does make its way into the Android <laughs> App Store, 
Kev's way. This is Kev's way. As a Google of, fanboy, I'm, I'm trying to cover the fact that Google, Google, Google made it. Google's great. Google, yeah, oh, I just love are. Google. And look, and look, yeah. it's really rare. It's really rare that malware it's, gets on there, but sometimes it does. It's not really rare. It's, it's love less you, rare than it was. But like a lot Larry. of this stuff is side look. Shut up. I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> oh, Let me done. strip down to my Google pants. <laughs> <laughs> Damn your sorry, Kev, you were, sorry, Kev, you were saying occasionally, <laughs> occasionally malware does sneak onto the app store. But uh, sorry, Google Play. A lot of the time it is people sideloading applications in from untrusted sources yeah. or from other app stores. Right, hang, like on, hang, on, hang on, I've been, I have installed like all kinds of like ROMs, custom ROMs on my phones over the years. I haven't sideloaded apps for about five years. Who's still doing that? Apart from Amazon, it... who don't get me on an Amazon Fire rant uh, because I will be here all night. <laughs> uh, yeah, I tried side loading on the Fire Stick as well. Yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah. Why? What <laughs> is wrong with you, Amazon? <laughs> Why can I have Sky on my phone but not on my Fire Stick? I Why can't I Chromecast <laughs> Amazon Prime? You can now. It's fixed. Well, they only recently did. That. <laughs> anyway, it's ridiculous. <laughs> And don't get There's me started about the fire like <laughs> app thing for children. It is the worst. I mean, Chris has had my rant about this. I've heard this rant before. It yeah. is not good. Right, here's what happens, right? You take a four-year-old onto a plane. <laughs> and what have you... No, I'm doing it. I'm doing the rant. You heard... This is your own fault. This is fault. all getting cut out. This is not going to get cut out. I'm, it's not getting cut <laughs> out. This takes, is the most takes. important rant I've ever done. You take a fire Kindle thing onto a plane with a four-year-old for a multiple hour flight and you want all the content you've downloaded what's the first thing it does when you turn it on on the plane it asks for an internet connection why is it doing that (laughs) i have downloaded content (laughs) i have a four-year-old that needs that content why would you do that (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong with you amazon that's pretty good. Any, anyway, yeah. security. So, rant, which may or may not have been cut aside. <laughs> the the interesting point you've made there about sideloading applications uh, and the fact that it's very uncommon shows the targeting of this thing. This thing isn't targeting big business. It's targeting people, people who are going to sideload in that free application you can download from this janky website to give you free IPTV. Yeah, both of them. Free both of them on xdaforums.com. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, that's exactly where this stuff comes from. It's typically not in the App Store. If you're a corporation, one of the first things you do if you're using mobile device management is turn off installing applications from anywhere other than the official Play Store. So, yeah, it's clearly... Yeah, if you're download if you're downloading and installing dodgy stuff from dodgy places, I'm not expect really sure what you expect. Yeah, uh, stuff has snuck past. Like there is malware that has made its way through to the Google Play Store. Uh, it's not a thing that's going to disappear. It's just there's not as much of it. Um, and the iPhone Store, whatever they call themselves, uh, are significantly better at preventing this. But because they have a much tighter model uh, and less freedom for developers to create.
which enhances their security but decreases their pool. Still managed to still managed to tell us about a <laughs> rampant security flaw whilst ending it by saying, but you know, freedom of people to develop applications and <laughs> okay. Is that it on that? You got anything else, get... Max? What were we talking um, about? What is do... the new bit? Got... I've no idea we what get... it is. Is it Android <laughs> malware? It's Android yeah, malware. It's, Android it's bank control. Bank control. What is a bank control? There are several variants of different types of banking trojans. Um, some of them will do uh, web injects. So when you visit uh, your bank in a website, uh, it will inject HTML frames to say you also need to add your PIN number and your social security number and your full address and your mother's maiden name. Uh, they're like web inject kind of stuff. Um, other ones just pretend outright to be a banking application and try and trick you into logging into their application to steal your credentials. Uh, some will try and intercept like the two-factor side, so it's just there to intercept the text message that you receive to validate you are who you say you are, so that when they issue a transaction on your behalf and you get a text message, they silently intercept that, don't show it to you, send that back to the command and control center and away they go. There are other variants as well. How do they how do they get around um, when it's your when it sends you a text and that kind of stuff? How do they how do they do they can they intercept those as well? And now, a word from our sponsors. Oh, wait. Hey, on. I can't help here. Kev, bail me out. No, I, know. <laughs> I know. I set it up. I know, because I set it up perfectly. Um, so this is a thing that was um, some research that came out a couple of years ago. And SS7 is the signaling system number seven. Uh, it's the backbone of telecommunications. Um, it's how text messages are sent. It's all in the clear. It's not encrypted. You do need privileged access to be able to gain access to it for the most part, but that can be bought um, through through people. Uh, and we at Immersive Labs, we have simulated an SS7 network uh, along with a bank, uh, and you can intercept uh, the two-factor authentications in exactly the same way the attackers did by uh, intercepting those SS7 communications, uh, capturing the two-factor token and replaying them to the website. Hey, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Were the attackers manipulating really cool. SS7 or were they on the device? Uh, no, they were in the SS7 network. Wow. Uh, so mm. as a like telecom an APT to me. As a telecoms provider, you can buy access. So you just buy access and you get plugged in. Uh, if you've got an insider threat at an existing telecoms provider, he can plug you in. So there are ways in. So essentially, even two-factor authentication is not safe. Over SMS. And that's, over SMS. Uh, and this is why we see a lot of people shift away to physical yeah, tokens. Right. Nobody like should trust SMS or... for second factor. Fingerprint. Or, 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 fingerprint. Or, or biometrics, yeah. like SMS. Uh, like, this is, it's really annoying. Um, I had to change my address on something um, and I emailed them and they told me that email wasn't secure. Could <laughs> I fax them instead, please? <laughs> <laughs> this was, hang on, this was got, a year ago. Oh, but hang on, fax though. My my <laughs> wife, my wife to this day in 2020 thinks that fax is still magic. Like you put some paper in <laughs> and then it comes out of the other end. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Sends the paper. Yeah. <laughs> it's, isn't yeah. that amazing? Imagine if you could send like presents for it and stuff like that. <laughs> Just the scanner doesn't scan presents. It doesn't work. <laughs> so there, there are the many forms of banking trojans and some of the techniques they used. All right. So um, 
uh, the dreaded APT word got dropped in. Um, and uh, Paul, you, you shared something about, uh, <laughs> we're going to get into talking about Mars, um, but uh, Paul shared a Mar with us. You, we want uh, Anyone want to decrypt the acronym for us? Malware Analysis Report. Malware it's Analysis so Report. so great. It tells you everything about what North Korea have been doing. From the Cybersecurity Ooh. and Infrastructure Security Agency. And we've got more names. We've got more names of uh, Yeah, no, 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 no. These are great. Like, hang on, we should do this. Um, we should do, like... Are we going to score this one? No, we should... Well, I don't know if we should score them. Like, it should be like... It's not hype or hacked, but it... I mean, they are dreadful. Well, this well, this malware is this Copper Hedge we're talking about. Copper Hedge, Pebble, Pebble Dash is the one I'm thinking Pebble of. Dash. <laughs> oh, come on, you can tell it's that Americans one. came up with it's it. Not one. One. Pebble, Pebble Dash. Dash. <laughs> Where was it? I didn't see that in there. It's Where's the third that? one. That Pebble so, Dash. Yeah. That's the third Pebble from North Korea. So it's Copper, you Copper Hedge. Don't know what it means. <laughs> Although to be Copper fair, Sh- Americans, when you're double part, Americans call that double uh, double fisted. Which yeah. is a whole different thing. Uh, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, we had That's some of the guys from the American office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Copperhead, tainted scribe, and pebble dash is the three. Tainted North scribe Korea. makes me immediately want to sing <laughs> "Soft Cell," whoever it is. I can hear that. I can hear tainted that drum bro. intro. <laughs> <laughs> tainted scribe. <laughs> oh wow, there's loads. There's loads actually, like hot croissant. Well. <laughs> okay <laughs> so perhaps yeah. we'll just stick to the ones that are in the yeah. uh the yeah. mar um and copper hedge is copper hedge i'm sorry is lame um that's I'm... no easy that's no more than a two um it's barely like it's barely interesting it's it, it describes nothing um so i'm i think the americans i think the you have no from me well hang on what, 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 what oh we're scoring it sorry okay yeah sorry. that's what we do first we score it uh, what's it's one a, tainted it's scribe? A, it's a zero. No, Copper Hedge. Copper, Copper Hedge. Three. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a four. Me. I think I'm, I'm, oh, I'm nicer than you guys. But it's yeah. a different thing. But this is a. Is it a name for a. What is it? What That's is the, the malware? Name of the North Korean remote access tool. It's the name remote of the malware. Access tool. Oh, it's dreadful, isn't it? You can tell yes. that no vendors were involved in the making. This is a government <laughs> issued cover name, isn't it? But yeah, what, I'm sure some I, vendors come up with a better one. But what I want to discuss about these Mars is, I mean, there's a lot of information here, right? And I read the first five paragraphs and got nowhere other than knowing that the FBI are involved, the DOD are involved, the the, the DHS called hidden are involved, cobra, you know, it, hidden cobra. Just, yeah. Okay, now that one's weird. I'm giving that. A, I'm giving that a six. Hidden cobra. That was strong. Hidden cobra. Yeah. It's, it's it's just a list of rubbish things that the Americans have done. And it gives you no information about the, wow. the malware. Wow! <laughs> they've they you mean they've published a a mar that tells us that they know about malware, and they've got yeah. lots of agencies who also know about malware. But importantly, that the FBI has a high confidence that hidden cobra actors are using malware variants to maintain a presence on victims' networks and further network exploitation. There are some interesting things in the mar. There, there are some, there are some technical descriptions in here. You just have to, you have to dig through it and find it, which is you have to scroll really past annoying. the page uh, f- uh, fold. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to get past the list of three thousand IOCs. <laughs> oh, really? The interesting hey, stuff scrolling. is right at the I'm bottom. Still, I'm still scrolling. <laughs> I'm gonna ring. I'm gonna ring them. Eight 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 two eighty two zero eight seven zero. I'm gonna ask them about it. 
Chris, you need to you need to pick up and ask Kev what an IOC is. Yeah, I know. I set him up for it, and he just walks. Oh, sorry. I, I, thought we gonna, I thought we were going to. I thought we were going to talk um, a little bit about what this thing actually does. Like someone shared the mark. I don't, so... I don't know. I don't, it doesn't tell me. Nobody knows. Oh, is that the point? Is that why it was being? Yeah, shared? Didn't, Paul, didn't you share it initially? I just said it was interesting. Oh, he hadn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that was my point was that it has a lot of really really hyper technical information but it doesn't have any clear context. text context of why this malware are we is still good or, or are we... I don't know. here's the thing <laughs> right? right can, can we talk about Pebble Dash <laughs> why are we still talking about Pebble Dash well because we lost them Chris we lost them <laughs> because <laughs> the MD5 hash of the, he- of the header is 735665 you don't Shall I continue? <laughs> probably, probably not. It doesn't no. describe it. It doesn't describe in any real detail what it is or does. I don't no. think. Um, it says it's t- in a family of malware that's used by a particular uh, threat actor group, which is great. Um, and it says that it targets cryptocurrency exchanges and related entities. Um, and then there's a ton of other extra information. Hey, hang on, I'm, I know you wanted to come in here, Kev, but my, I've I've decoded it. I've decoded it before. I've decoded it. Right. So I've read the antivirus uh, names for it. It's a Trojan horse. And <laughs> I'm so glad you're uh, here. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm going to guess it's Windows 32-bit. <laughs> nice. So, no, Kev, what are you supposed to do with all of these? So, to, to our original point, what are you meant to do with this all this list of stuff here, of which so, there is a lot? There is a lot. And a MAR is it's not even subtly different. It's radically different to other reports and vendor things. So, a MAR analysis report is designed uh, to give information to your network defenders, to your threat hunters, and it gives them a load of rich technical data that they need. Um, so... Lots of IOCs in here, lots of Yara rules, um, lots of things you can create signature-based detections on, uh, so you can get these into your seam. Well, I, I tell you the bit I don't understand. So I, I like the fact that it's telling us about a new strain, a new strain. It seems a new strain of an existing malware. I think that's I think that's interesting. What what annoys me is that the when you find a headline and someone's written a story about it, the headline straight away is like North Korean malware. Like, why does it why does it matter that it's North Korea? Like, you should be bothered about what it can do and the potential risks that risk that it poses. Um, which, in fairness to the researcher, is exactly what they've what they've done. Like, and I, I've read the read the tweets from the person who's shared the research, and they haven't felt the need to refer to North Korea. Um, but attribution is important, especially when. If you look at this mar, this mar is like several thousand lines long, and there are several thousand IOCs. Um, if you were to take every mar and every indicator of compromise, you're going to have like millions and millions of things. If your enterprise was to ingest all of those, like you'd have to slow traffic down to snail's pace to be able to analyze everything against every indicator of compromise. Isn't that what so, threat intel platforms are for, though? That's what they're for. They're for this. Uh, it, it's for exactly this and like telling you it's north korea may or may not help you adequately determine whether you're a target uh, and whether you should be interested in this or not so so you've talked about putting stuff in the sim like what so what happens to it then is it um is it an active process like we will go and 
look for this stuff or we will correlate what's going on in our network with these IOCs or is it more reactive like sitting back and waiting for the machinery to tell you like or is it probably a combination of the two I guess yeah it's exactly that and depending on the maturity of your organization uh, there's two things at play here so one is you subscribe to a threat feed that's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, and you get a raw stream of every md5 uh, every char and every domain that goes into your seam and that gives you real-time-ish protection um the other part these are from from my perspective the more interesting things is when people share things like yara rules so yara rules is a syntax of uh, um kind of like regular expressions for files uh, and they allow you to really quickly classify and scan for known malware families without knowing the exact md5 so if the attacker changes a single byte that hash is useless to you but yara rules are incredibly powerful um, for network um, threat hunters to go and find those they're also you find them in a lot of next gen firewalls as well so for one, you have automatic ingestion, like through a sticks and taxi setup uh, that pushes them into your seam. Uh, for the other, you have threat hunters who are actively going out, running these rules across your estate, looking for known bad. Okay, so I think what we learn is there's a ton of u- potentially really useful information in there to help you with uncovering this if it happens to be in your network. Um, but actually, the fact that it originates from North Korea is a bit meh. Like, well, well, well. I know, I know that you they doubted my reason for talking about this originally, but it is the three-year anniversary of WannaCry, which has been blamed on North Korea, right? So, these are three related <laughs> to WannaCry. So they're trying to do it on the same day, right? And that's because why, they love an anniversary. That's why the NFA yeah. of the air, right? And you got Copperhead, Change Scribe, and Pebble Dash, my favourite Pebble Dash, of course. Like it's interesting. <laughs> it's always interesting. It's whether it's relevant or not that we're that we're more I suppose, concerned. Uh, I suppose the difficulty I have is you look at it because it says North Korea rather yeah, than anyway. because it Got says you. a really really bad Trojan that's going <laughs> to yeah. really wreck your company. Exactly. You, I tell you, you what, wrong, I'd be super reason. embarrassed if we got like exploited by Pebble Dash. <laughs> <laughs> so <annoying>. Quite embarrassing. <laughs> Americans I'd should be look to get Pebble Dash as well. Yeah, Americans listening to this should look that up. It's probably on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Urban Dictionary. Oh, actually, if you Google it, which I did earlier, you just get lots of beautiful images of Pebble Dashed buildings. How is this? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in your search. It's history. not that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough chit chat about serious and interesting stuff. Um, I w- wanted to, us to finish off with uh, the return. I nearly called it the return of Sodden Akibi, but Sodden Akibi or Reveals or Revel or however you say it, like it's con- continual hacking of everyone and everything. Um, it just uh, turns out that they've, uh, they're have they threatening to release now a 750 gigabyte list um, of A-list celeb con- contracts, uh, recording deals, other personal information um, that they are alleging that they have stolen from um, a law firm in uh, in New York, uh, the law firm Grubman Shire Macellus and Sachs, um, big New York firm. And this, what I um, and what we're noticing about these guys is they they go to the media as soon as there's a whiff they might not get paid. They're like they go straight to the media and say, "Well, we've got all this, we've got all this data. You know, you really should pay. You really need to be thinking about paying this ransom." Um, they feel a bit mercenary to me. The interesting thing for me is, how did you not see seven hundred and fifty gigs leave your network? That's not a like 
everybody's bandwidth must have dropped when they were started sending that. How do you not see that much data leave? Especially as a law firm. Yeah, they're not looking at their rules or their data going no, in and out. Nobody's really, looking at that. Oh, they might just they... assume it's someone watching YouTube. Yeah, yeah. No, I, we've I've uploaded about weekends. that much in the last night. Like, <laughs> just talking all this nonsense on this podcast. Um, like DLP might have helped there. Again, we don't know enough details to know exactly how they were compromised, how that data was exfiltrated, uh, to be able to draw any real conclusions. But to the point, Revil back in like this is we're seeing lots and they're lots good. of this. Can we um, buy shares in these guys. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> they have got this down. They've got it down. I mean, they're and just I love the, picking off uh, the low-hanging fruit here. Yeah, so they they set up a website on Tor um, that they that they own. You know, according to the reports they own, which lists dozens of organisations that they've uh, that they've compromised. Um, but in this case, it has screenshots of uh, folders, uh, non-disclosure agreement, Madonna's 2019 to 2020 tour arrangements. Um, Christina Aguilera's music rights um, and all this stuff they're sharing as proof of the fact that they've uh, that they've basically hacked them. Um, also, the the law firm the law firm is saying nothing, um, which I'm sure that all of their massively high profile <laughs> clients are absolutely delighted about. Um, but yeah, it, it seems that they are pretty serious about ensuring that their victims pay the ransom and the way that they expedite getting those victims to pay that ransom is by basically sharing as quickly as possible that they have access to compromised data. And I think that that's, a, that's the move in the goalpost. The move in the goalpost is from like the WannaCry, WannaCry that we were just talking about. WannaCry three years ago today. And WannaCry was, you know, you've been, you've been encrypted, pay the ransom. Um, and actually what this is, you've been encrypted um, and we've exfiltrated data um, which we could share at any point with anyone. So maybe, I don't know, pay the ransom. Um, I think that lever, that, that extra lever that they're prepared to pull and all those extra levers that they're prepared to pull um, make them actually um, pretty terrifying as a, as a threat goes. I think it's brilliant. And that's the key word. That's the key word. It's, it's terrifying. It's fear. They're playing to fear. It's that human element. It's like there's significant damage that can be done to people, to people's lives, and people are going to be scared about that. And it's that fear that drives you to pay the ransom. I pay it. You've got to pay it in this situation. But what I'm really interested in is whoever's pointing uh, Sadina Kibi at these uh, targets, are they targeting them? Or do you think they're like just, it's just random that they're hitting these and then... I think it's a bit of everything. I think this group, they're paying for access if they find people selling it. I think they're going out on engagements and looking for stuff. And I think they're accidentally going to discover stuff. In this, I think, yeah, in this in this context, 756 gig, they must have targeted them specifically to get that much data. They might have got in there by accident to start with and got, got a foothold. Mm -hmm. And then uh, to get that much data out, they, they should have... You don't just get that by accident. You know? Yeah, and of course, it, it would also um, suggest that it's not automatic. Like we know, we yeah. have when um, when we were looking at Travelex, like we understood that they were present on the network without um, without asking for ransom and without encrypting machines some time before in order to gather this kind of leverage in the event that they would need it. And and like I've just alluded to, they were ready at the drop of a hat to talk to the BBC and say. 
we've got data. They should think about paying the ransom. Where and this is what they should think about paying the ransom. And this is what we're demanding. I mean, and, and it, it costs Travelex. It costs Travelex two two point something million, right? I mean, you know, it's it's which probably going to cost these do, guys money too. Do we which know how nothing. they got on? Do we know how they got on, Kev? What's the exploit they got on there? Yeah, we, we've we've got no. Uh, we don't know any of the details about how they got in yet. Um, but on that, remember, this is this is ransomware as a service. Mm. They have affiliates. Um, so it's not just the Sonakiba group going out, but they're actually sending affiliates out and affiliates will get a cut of whatever payment comes out of this. It's a, as a business model, it's impressive. Yeah, I like it. Um, I mean, and... I don't like it. I don't I'm a fan. It. But <laughs> Sonakiba, 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 like five out of 10 for the name, but generally... I'm a fan. It's got to have a better <laughs> said, brand. I mean, we should rebrand. Then Paul Bentham of Immersive Labs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a quite good, uh, like, middle point where you know you, they're showing it on the dark web, so they know, you know, they, they're proving they've got it. They're saying pay the ransom, and you know, it's it, they're using dark web, open web, and ransomware. It's kind of all coming together quite nicely for them. Yeah, it's I, like a multi. It's like a multi stage approach to how to maximize damage when it comes to ransomware and the targeted net this is see to me if i'm an organization i care a lot more about this than that mar on north korea this is what i'm terrified of if i've got if i've got a client base of any kind if i'm dealing with um you know any kind of um, personally identifiable or financial data this terrifies me um and that is to me this is where the point gets missed i think like we care a lot more about this than we care about north korea probably yeah absolutely as a as a network defender this is what i care about this this stuff getting in the door uh and that's really going to terrify me that's going to do significantly more damage in terms of reputation like apt stuff it's under the wire they're seeding ip they're not publicly displaying it so uh like you get to maintain like your organizational external view with stuff like this it's damaging but it's not it's, um, it's not even from the threat and the point of view like this is ceo is in a room shouting at people for weeks uh and you know like the threat enters being shouted at probably at one point but it's everyone else in the executive that is like make what decision we're going to do are we going to pay are we not are we you know what do we do and they're and they're a group of lawyers as well so they have probably a lot of legal <laughs> legal fees going down right now uh so it's it's the you know decision making from top to bottom isn't it well, I you should always pay. Uh, my view is you should always pay the <laughs> ransom. Like, uh, as a Shannon member, is... as a member of the Reveal Gang, I think you should always. I'm pay. just saying, Said you should Paul always... Bentham of Immersive Labs. I just say sure. you should always pay. It's the quickest way, quickest way to resolution, and it keeps the uh, uh, threat actors in business, which therefore keeps cybersecurity going. Woo! <laughs> Nobody cheerleading for that. I mean that. Ethically, <laughs> ethically not the right side and now a word from our sponsors what do you do i mean i would always pay the ransom like but maybe i'm a little <laughs> bit uh, trigger happy with other people's money but like exercising is a really important thing here and if our um and one of the one of the things that are in our uh, product roadmap that we're about to launch like a little bit of a trailer is how to help organizations exercise their cyber readiness. And uh, yeah, definitely definitely uh, watch this space for, uh, for, for a new product coming in 
to help to help with those decision making. Uh, and on that intriguingly vague bombshell, um, <laughs> we must bring things to an end. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your audio content. And if you want to know more about Immersive Labs, you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on Twitter at Immersive Labs UK. Until next time, from all of us, goodbye. <laughs> Go, 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 go